Prayer takes many different forms. What was he doing in the video? I saw it last night, didn't hit me till this morning. He's praying. He's praying to God. His hands aren't folded. He's not sitting in a church. But he's praying to God. In three weeks, we begin a 12-week study on the greatest weapon and the greatest blessing that God has ever given to one of his children. And that greatest weapon and the greatest blessing is this thing called prayer. You say, Pastor, I thought faith was the greatest weapon and the greatest blessing. And now you're saying prayer is the greatest. You understand, don't you, that faith and prayer go hand in hand. If you do not have faith, you never pray. And if you never pray to the God you say you have faith in, you really can't have faith. They go hand in hand. If you need proof, it's from the lips of Jesus, Matthew seventeen twenty. He said, if you have faith, there's the great weapon and blessing. If you have faith as microscopic as a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, move, and that mountain will move. When he says you're speaking to a mountain, what are you and I doing? Are we speaking to a therapist who's helping us through this matter? Are we speaking to our mom and dad who's helping us through this matter? When you say to a mountain, move and it shall move, are you literally speaking to that mountain? The things he talked about, Lord, fear is coming like an enemy. Worry is coming like an enemy. I have you, my strong deliverer. When you are speaking to some mountain in your life, are you yourself speaking to the mountain? If you are, you don't stand a chance. And if you are, you don't have faith in the one who can move the mountain. If you have faith in a smaller grain of mustard seed, you say in prayer to God, Dear Lord, I cannot touch that mountain in my life. I've tried many, many times. I get nowhere. I've talked to friends, family, therapists. They have not the power, but you do. Faith and prayer, as you speak to God about these mountains, they go hand in hand. Faith, the greatest weapon and blessing. Prayer, the greatest blessing and weapon. You say, Pastor, you forgot last week, man. You're talking about the Bible. You said that was the greatest weapon and the greatest blessing. They all tie together. You have the great trinities, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You have the great trinities of miracles. The creation of the world, the resurrection of Jesus, and the Bible in your hands. The three great miracles of our faith, the three great weapons. Faith itself, which leads to prayer. Prayer is all wrapped up in this book, the 7,000 promises that God has given You and I never make a promise to anybody unless it's requested. (laughs) If the children or grandchildren make a request, if your spouse makes a request, if your boss makes a request, if your next-door neighbor makes a request, then you make a promise. 
I promise you that this is going to happen. I promise you I'll do this. God never makes a promise unless his people have requested it. And you look at the 7,000 promises that cover everything from forgiveness of sins to mercy to grace to everlasting life. Lord, may my loved one be in heaven before the day is out. Every request you ever make to God, He already knew it was going to happen in Psalm 139. Before you open your mouth, He already knows what you're going to say. Before you think a thought, He already knows what the thought is. The promises of God are connected with the request of His children. And so they all tie together. Your faith, your prayers, and the promises of God in this book. Perhaps the greatest of all, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Not on this earth, and not after this life is done. Text for this weekend, Matthew 7 Verse 7, Jesus is speaking tail end of the Sermon on the Mount. Out of his mouth comes these words. At the very end of this sermon, he says, Ask, and you shall receive. Ask, and you shall receive. Ask of God, and you shall receive from God. If your heavenly, if your earthly mother or father listen to your request, if they do not rebuff you, if they do not turn away from you, if they love you so much, when you come to them with a request, when they ask of you, you never become deaf to them. You may become deaf to your boss, your next door neighbor, or even your spouse. They may say a word to you and you'll say, what? But when it comes to your children and they ask you for something, you are never deaf. Not when they're two years of age speaking. Don't be looking at them that way. (laughs) Not two years of age when they're asking you for something. Not when they're 18 years of age and they're teenagers and you haven't spoken for a couple of weeks because there's stuff going on. When they ask you, those ears perk open. And when they're 25 or 35 or 45 years of age, when they ask you for something, when you look at your caller ID and you realize this is your son or daughter calling, I don't care how often that happens, there's something that happens in your heart. When it's someone that you know who's trying to reach you, and you can hardly wait to hear their voice, to listen to what they have to say, If we do that as human beings to those that we love, what about God? Ask of Him and you'll receive. Seek from Him. Seek what? Seek wisdom. Seek guidance. Seek direction. When you're asking, it's one thing. When you're seeking, it's another thing. You're seeking is wisdom, guidance, and direction. Here's a health issue, Lord. What do you think I should do? Do you think I should go to Duke University that deals with that sort of cancer? Or should I stay just here? Lord, I have a job opportunity. It's 250 miles away. It's my son's sophomore year in high school. Lord, I'm bringing this to you. I'm seeking your wisdom, your guidance, and your direction. 
Lord, I've got five different scholarships for academics or music or, or sports. I got five different, uh, scholarships that are offered to me. Lord, I'm going to ask you right now, as I go and visit these places, I'm seeking your wisdom, your guidance, and your direction. Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. Knock, and the door is open to you. What are those three elements that Jesus is speaking about? Are they not prayer? Is asking not prayer? Is seeking not prayer? Is knocking at his door? Is it not prayer? Who's commanding that? Is it your mom or dad? Is it your coach? Is it your boss? No, it's the Son of God Himself. It's God commanding that. Why? Because God does not want to waste what He has for His children. How many times do we say to our son or daughter, why didn't you ask me about that? And they'll say, well, I already had it figured out. Or they'll say, why, well, I, I didn't want to bother you. Or they'll say, you know, we haven't been getting along too well lately, so I figured it wouldn't be a good time to ask. Never with God. Jesus saying to his children, never with God. You ask any time. You seek any time. You knock any time and the door is open. It's called prayer. What if the thief on the cross hanging there next to Jesus? When Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And all of a sudden a light bulb goes off in this man's head. What if the thief on the cross hanging there had said, you know, I don't have a good relationship with Jesus. I mean, this is the first time I've met him. And I really didn't have a good relationship with God. I made sure I stayed as far away from the synagogue as I possibly could. I dare not ask him for anything because our relationship isn't that good. But he didn't say that. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Nor do you sit there and say, this is beyond Jesus' power. I've heard about his miracles. It didn't really touch me all that much. I heard about his miracles. But he does not have the power nor the desire to give me everlasting life with him in heaven. He didn't say that. He did exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 7. He asked. Lord, remember me when you come into the kingdom. He sought. What did he seek? He sought Jesus' present. The man hanging there, bleeding in such enormous pain, he's asking help from that individual. Seek from the Son of God and ye shall find. Knock and the door will be open. He did all three things. John 16, John 16, verse 24. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. There's a little addition there. Ask and ye shall receive. And when you receive, your joy will be full. Why will your joy be full when you pray to God? 
Because the only thing that will move you to pray to God is realizing His power. My dad can't get me onto the football team. My mom and dad cannot give me a 32 on the ACT test so I can get to the U of I. When you pray to Him, you're, you're looking at His power. He creates the universe out of nothing. Sperm and an egg come together. There you sit. You're looking at His love. When you pray to Him, you're looking at His love. Who else would send the Son to die for us while we were yet sinners? You're looking at His power. You say, man, I think I can touch that power. You're looking at His love. I think I can reach out to that love. I think He'll reach back. His power, His love, and His wisdom, whatever He decides, I will trust is meant for my blessing and my good. A gentleman came up, I think it was Rich, a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago, Rich Bauman. And he said, Pastor, you said a couple of things about your dad in prayer. Can you remember? I said, Rich, I remember saying all the time that whenever I called my dad once a month, my mom and dad, mom would speak first. There'd be a 10-minute conversation. Dad would get on next. It'd be a 30-second conversation. But my dad would always say, before I hung up the phone, my dad would always say, Paul, I pray for you every day. Your mom and I pray for you every day. When I was young, didn't mean that much. As I got older, it meant everything. Pray for you every day. And I miss him saying that. My father said one other thing. He said, you never pray unless you end it by saying, if it is your will. James 4, 14, what is our life? It's a mystery of vapor that appears for a little while and then disappears. If such be the case, your conversation with God ought to be, if it is your will and I live, then I shall do, do this or that thing. My dad always said that to me. When I'm trying to decide what sport to go out for in high school, when I'm deciding what I want to do with my life's vocation, when I'm trying to decide what college I'm going to, always, always my dad's word, you have to ask if it is his will. There were three different times during John's illness so many years ago that my father said, Paul, I'm going to pray for you. Can I have a prayer with you? And over the phone, my dad would be praying. And I was always touched when he said, Lord, heal Jonathan. Take away the cancer. Give him another 50 years on this earth so that he might serve you. I was always touched by that, but then dad would always end it by saying, if it is your will. And I remember challenging him one time, emotionally saying to him, dad, why do you say when you're praying for John's healing, why do you say if it is your will, it has to be his will? And he said, Paul, you don't know where the will of God is. Neither do I. Neither does Jonathan. What if Jonathan, 10 years from now, decided he didn't believe in God anymore? 
What if Jonathan, 15 years from now, got into some mess in his life that actually took away his faith? What if Jonathan, and he had a long list of things, and all of a sudden when my dad was speaking that way, I understood what he was saying. If it is your will, heal him. Every time we pray the Lord's Prayer and we come to that petition, give us this day our daily bread. Every single time we pray it. And that's got to be, I can't even do my math. 44 years, three or four or five services a week, baptisms, funerals, weddings, we always pray it. Whenever we say that phrase, our daily bread, I always think of my dad. Because I know what my daily bread wants to be. My daughter-in-law coming over last night for my birthday. And she says, what do you hope happens before you turn 70 next year? What do you hope happens? What are your goals before you come to 70 next year? And as soon as she said that, I thought of that phrase, if it is your will. And I gave her a list of a couple of items. But always, if it is your will, your daily bread, when you pray that, you already have in your mind, here's what it wants. I want my senior year to go really, really well in football or baseball or swimming or anything else. I want it to go really, really well because I know the scouts have been coming from the colleges since my sophomore year, and I really, really want it to go well. If it is your will... If your is your will, I don't blow out my knee. If it is your will, make this happen, because maybe you don't want me to do football for a living. There was a gal some 19 years ago, and I had talked with her. She wanted to join the church. Her great skill and ability was vocal. She had tried out for the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. She was still going to try out for that because she was just on the cusp of meeting it. I listened to some of her stuff as she played it. An incredible voice. And then we had a meeting set up and she called and she said, I'm sick. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to the doctor. I'm sick. I should be well in a week. She got sick. It was really common, ordinary cold. But that virus got into her ears. And one of her ears recovered and the other ear didn't recover. She was deaf in one ear. When you're a voice teacher, when that is your gift and you can no longer hear out of one ear, you're done. You're just done. She was so angry at God and she was so despondent that even though I reached out to her first on a weekly basis and then once every two weeks and then once every three months and she never responded... And I just thought, she's hurting so bad. It was five years later. And I called her on the phone. I hadn't tried in three or four years. I called her on the phone. And I said, update me on your life. She said, if I had done music, it had been to my glory. But the job that God has given me in the realm of helping society, the organization I work with, 
I help a thousand people a month. I touch a thousand people a month. If it is your will, give me my hearing back. But if it isn't your will, I will trust you. The power of prayer. There are no limits about prayer because there are no limits to the God that you pray to. God can take the cancerous mass in my niece's brain three weeks ago. And by the time 12 hours have gone by, the cancerous mass has been changed. God can take the tumor next to the heart of Tom 25 years ago. And by the time he flies from Palis Hospital to Northwestern Hospital, and they do the x-ray up there, there is no tumor right next to his heart. Your prayers can change the direction of God. I'll give you one proof and then I'm done. Second Kings 20, Hezekiah, he's 39 years of age. And God comes to Hezekiah, he's got a boil, sepsis sets in. And God comes to him and says, Hezekiah, I'm going to take your life. I'm going to take you home with me. And Hezekiah is in great shock. And he says to God, I'm a righteous man. In the Old Testament, it says the prayers of the righteous are, I'm a righteous man. I'm going to pray to you. I want you to listen to me. Unlike the other kings before me, I have followed your will. Why would you do this to me? God, give me more time. The Assyrian army is coming. I, through your grace, can handle the Assyrian army. Let me live. And God changes his mind. And he says to Hezekiah, I'll give you 15 more years. It's specified, Second Kings 20. I'll give you 15 more years. When I visit people with terminal illnesses, when they've been diagnosed, my first prayer to them, and I'll literally say it, I'm going to pray Hezekiah's prayer. And I'm going to say, Lord, give Joan, give John, give Bill, give them 15 more years on this earth. And God listened to Hezekiah's prayer and he said to Hezekiah, I shall grant that which thou hast spoken to me in prayer. And the Assyrian army comes. It's the second year after his request. Assyrian army comes. 187,000, the Bible tells the number, 187,000. And the Israelites say to Hezekiah, we stand no chance. The army said to them, uh, the Assyrian army said, here's what we're going to do to your men, women, and children unless you surrender. If you surrender, we're still going to do this, that, and the other, but at least we will not destroy all of you. And Hezekiah comes to God and he says, should I surrender, God? I'm seeking your wisdom. I'm knocking at your door. And God says, you shall not surrender because I am the God of this universe. I am the God over Assyria. I will give them into your hands. 
There are 187,000 Assyrian soldiers waiting outside Jerusalem. And Hezekiah, like Moses when the Red Sea's in front of him, Hezekiah says, Lord, I'm coming to you in prayer because my faith is strong and I believe your promises. Coming to you in prayer. What does God do? One of the greatest miracles in the Bible. One angel, one angel comes into the camp of 187,000 soldiers of Assyria. And in one night, they are all destroyed. They are all destroyed. And when the Israelite army that hasn't slept all night, when the sun comes up, they look. Behold what God has done. I can hardly wait to get to these 12 weeks. You got Daniel praying to God and the nature of lions changes. And he closes their mouth. Jesus comes to God in prayer and all of a sudden five loaves and two fish. Enough food to feed 10,000. Jesus comes, water turns into wine. In three weeks, we begin this great, great, great study on prayer, the adventure with God. Keep on praying. Ask, seek, and knock. Your faith, His promises, in our Savior's name, amen. Heavenly Father, bless the power of your word. The only way it bears fruit is if your Holy Spirit takes it from the ear down to the heart. And then faith comes. Whether I'm hanging on a cross ready to die, whether I'm a prodigal son that has run far, far away from you, when I, whether I'm David who's just done the most most terrible sin imaginable. Lord, if I come to you in prayer, my heavenly Father, his ear always perks up when he sees my name on caller ID. Keep us close to you, Lord. Never a circumstance in which we do not realize your presence, your peace, and your strength. In our Savior's name, amen. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.